0: Welcome to the 2019 Wealth Standard Podcast, Season One, Capitalism, and now your host Patrick Donahoe. Hi, everyone! Thank you for listening this episode of the Wealth Standard Podcast. It's hard to believe that we are at the end of yet another season. This season focusing on capitalism. It's been fun, and you know we have one more guest, which. I think is going to really end the season with a bang. You are definitely going to want to listen in next week. It's probably the most excitement I've felt in regards to interviewing a guest in a really, really long time. And I've had some pretty amazing guests, but this individual and I have only had a couple of conversations. And the one that we did have was at an incredibly high level with some very high level people. And I just can't wait to talk to him again about the principle of capitalism to kind of sum out I would say summarize the season in a sense, and then transition us to the next season. If you haven't listened to all of the episodes or didn't know that we were focused this particular season, the first four months of 2019 on capitalism, go back and check out those old episodes. You can go to the wealthstandard.com, or obviously check it out on Spotify or iTunes. I want to transition the topic for next season. And I want to summarize the episodes that I've done, the content that we've covered, the interviews that I've had, what I've learned, some of the topics and the main points that have really stuck with me, I want to make a request of you. I want to hear from you guys. And I haven't done this before. I'm going to give out my personal podcast email because I want to hear about what you've learned. I want to hear about what's been enlightening for you. I want to hear of you know what you didn't like too, whatever. I just want to hear from you. And so if you guys would reach out, it's Patrick at com. So again, that's Patrick at PatrickDonahoe.com. In this episode, I'm also going to talk about next season and my ideas there. I'm going to introduce that topic. And so hearing what you guys think about it is important to me. I haven't started recording anything yet. So if you guys have ideas or you like or dislike something, or you want to have a specific guest on, I'd love to hear that feedback. So again, it's Patrick at PatrickDonahoe.com. Capitalism is one of those words, as I've mentioned throughout the season, that really gets the hair on people's necks to go up. They get ticked off and it leads to very high emotional debates and battles. And what I've concluded is the following. I really don't believe that most people, and I would include myself in it, don't really understand the true nature of capitalism and what that system does to the human experience, to life. And I realized that the definition is really important, understanding that word, because there are many that believe that capitalism is exploiting the lives of others and sacrificing them for personal gain. I think that's very propagandish, and that is not the definition of it. And I think that happens. People sacrifice others and they cheat and they steal and they exploit. And I don't define capitalism as that. And I'm not sure what the definition of that is but i understand that people do that and i understand that big business has received a branding of sorts uh, when it comes to that and there's always going to be human nature involved and i realize that people are going to take advantage of others for gain but i'm not looking at capitalism like that the system of free market laissez faire capitalism i truly believe is the framework to achieve the highest degree of happiness in life, and I'm going to try to make that argument in this episode. I look at just the past a uh, podcast and talked specifically about Italy, some of the things I've learned there. But I've looked at just the world slightly different as I've done this season, and I look at how amazing a life that we're all a part of. The technology that exists, the things we're able to experience, I realize that. It's not necessarily the life that some people want. It's I look at as much as technology and as much as the progress that we've made has helped us, I think it's also made people somewhat lazy and spoiled and complacent. And I put myself into that category. I don't know if I'd be able to survive if I was in the 1800s and raise crops and not have heating and air conditioning and electricity, Right. And at the same time, I look at how our lives, just as much as they seem easier these days, they're much harder. So the connection I've made really to what I see as the framework, the system to bring about the achievement of the highest level of happiness in life really comes down to us being able to discover what our strengths are, what our natural abilities and talents are, and to apply those in a way that helps others, but not a one-sided help. It helps others, but yet it also provides an exchange where we also receive. And I look at what I've discovered this year with uh, some different business coaches that I've changed to. And one of them, she has taught me something that seems common sense, but it's been incredible how it's reframed my perspective of those People that I work with. There's 60 some odd people that I work with and it's really changed everything. And I think it applies to this very principle. So what I've learned, right, is that when somebody's doing less than 80% of their work outside of their core strengths and abilities, and I would say successful experience, then they're not going to be happy. And if they are right now, it's for a very short period of time. So I've learned that the equation to really A high level of engagement and participation and excitement with regards to working has to do with working 80% or more in what you're strong at, coupled with meaningful targets or goals, as well as the appropriate incentives and, and a good level of accountability. And I'm going to get into that in just a second as we transition to next season's themes right? But what this does is it allows me to see a person's strengths and have them work and do things within those strengths, delegate whatever else that may have been their responsibility, but ultimately their weaknesses to somebody else. And it's been remarkable to see the difference so far. And then we're instituting a few other things when it comes to projects and so forth. But think about it. I believe that everybody has strengths and talents and abilities In large part, they're always evolving and the discovery process isn't this like you wake up one morning and suddenly you know what's strong about you. You are in an environment and in that environment, you exercise whatever that strength is, whether you're conscious of it or not, and you receive that fulfillment. You receive that degree of achievement because you know that you're good at something. Now, discovering that, that's why I'm saying that capitalism and that type of system Okay, allows for the free discovery of that. And if someone has to figure things out, if someone has to work with others, if someone has to get an outcome as it relates to work, then they're either going to do it or they're not going to do it. But if they're given clear direction, clear outcomes as far as what they're supposed to achieve, and then they're given the environment that's free for them to figure it out, like I said, they're either going to do it or they're not going to do it. But that's the discovery of weakness and the discovery of strength because if they figure it out, there is an enjoyment and a sense of satisfaction that comes from that. And it has been phenomenal just to understand that, that perspective of things. And I believe that the system of capitalism, whether it's on an individual level or on a group level, like human beings want to figure things out. They want to solve a problem. It's like we're hardwired to pursue that. And that's why when you look at a centrally planned government where government is solving problems, they're creating jobs, they're creating solutions for this and solutions for that, that' is not the same incentive and that's where I believe that a lot of the horrible examples, whether it's you know Venezuela or the former Soviet Union, why those societies end up in poverty and disarray and war, right is because of the wrong incentives, the the environment does not have the structure where it's incentivizing people to discover what's good about themselves and apply that to a meaningful solution to a specific challenge. And I think it goes globally with those huge examples, but it also goes down to the workplace and the individual examples as far as achieving and satisfaction and happiness and growth. That's where I've settled. And I did have some sort of a thesis or an idea of what I believe capitalism was to be. And I went into my interviews with that opinion, although trying to retain an open mind and conversations with Jason Rink, Yaron Brook, Larry Reed, president of FEE, Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, hopefully those opened your guys' mind to just the notion of the human spirit, the notion of what a person, what a human being is capable of, what they can do to create miraculous miracles. I mean, you look at lighting, you look at electricity, you look at computers and technology, and it continues to evolve. That is the expression of what talents and strengths are within people. And it's only gotten better. And even though we don't have a pure capitalistic society, it's not completely free market and laissez-faire, which means hands off. It's not 100%. It's not absolute, but yet just some of it, And what that does to create these miracle inventions and these innovations that are making all of our lives easier, it's come from the idea of a person, right? And that's what people are driven to do. And I believe that the more they're allowed to do that, the more solutions, the better solutions, the more efficiency you're going to have. Tony Robbins, his platinum partner finance event, right? And I put some of the summary videos and talked a little bit about it on the podcast. But uh, you can go to YouTube and look at those summary videos. I did a summary video for every day of that event, right? And one of the things that just still goes through my mind is the presentation by Peter Diamandis, and specifically the X Prize, and the X Prize being a prize for whoever wants to participate, and they get a prize. They get, a, they get. I think it's a ten million dollars for the one that he is proposing with Tony Robbins. Okay, but it provides the challenge. We are trying to do this. He, Peter Diamandis, is an insanely intelligent individual right? He doesn't have the talents and he also does not have the resources to actually accomplish what his X prize is awarding. And the one that they're working on right now is to figure out a way to take the stem cells of cattle and grow beef, Kobe, I think it's Wagyu or Kobe beef, with those stem cells and do it for a dollar a pound. Now, here's the thing. They've already figured out how to do it. it started at like 3,000 bucks in a pound then it went to $300 a pound. They're trying to get it to a dollar a pound. He doesn't know how to do it, even though he's a brilliant person, but he realizes that inside of a human being exists or a group of human beings exists the knowledge to do that. And he's created that award and that incentive. And again, it goes back to what I was saying before about the workplace, right? If you help a person and discover their strengths and then acknowledge them and put them in a position where they're able to accomplish something you want done and have an incentive to do it and some accountability associated with it that is where the ultimate satisfaction of the workplace exists now i know that there's a lot of details behind that but generally speaking that's what i've discovered read about uh, and actually seen outside of this uh, my company the success of that and so looking at again the x prize which is I think it's $10 million, the X prize for Tony Robbins and Peter Diamandis are putting together. Okay. Which is to essentially figure out a way to get stem cells out of cattle and grow beef for a dollar a pound. (laughs) And it sounds so weird. You know, there's probably other more weird X prizes as well. But I know that that one is very important because right now the emerging markets demand for beef is making our environment worse because the demand for water, the emissions that cattle produce, and the fact that they're taking up 30% of the landmass, right? It doesn't seem sustainable. But I won't go down that path any longer. The idea is, from what I'm saying is that within a human being is the ability to achieve and achieving with alignment to their strengths and their abilities that they're born with and also cultivate over time is what is going to create solutions to All the challenges that we currently have, as well as the challenges that we foresee in the future. And as much as it seems like a centrally planned government, they have this altruism about them where they have the best interest of people in mind. I think there's some truth to that. However, it doesn't produce the environment in which people are incentivized to take who they are, what they've learned, and receive the remuneration, receive the actual compensation of the results by them providing a solution. So those are the different criteria that exist right? in order for humans to feel alive, to feel that they're achieving things. And I'll bring up an example that it's interesting. Last year, I interviewed Andrew Yang. And Andrew Yang is running for president of the United States. And he is probably the foremost technologist, if that's even a word, but he's campaigning with hologram technology. He also is younger and has a pretty good sense for marketing. I believe he is making waves. I mean, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been interviewed on a number of other forums and he's really gotten his word out there. And his tune is the same as what existed on the interview that I had with him. He just hadn't made the waves that he has made in just the last few months. Andrew Yang, I believe is, uh, on to something with regard to how fast technology is evolving. At the same time, he's, using the same notion that centrally planned uh, governments have used in the past, which is taking care of people and providing a solution. And what that does, I believe, is it discounts the millions and millions of people that have the potential seed in their mind to come up with a way better solution that he's going to come up with. Because giving people money It robs them of the ability to actually go out and discover what is best about themselves, what their strengths are, and how that applies to the well-being of others. And what's interesting is that those environments sometimes have to be very difficult. The rock bottom scenario sometimes where people like they wake up and they're like, I got to do something that I'm going to die or I'm going to live. And sometimes that's what it takes. All right, so let's uh maybe dive into a few other things in relation to what I've learned from some of the guests and then let's make the transition. So as I mentioned, Larry Reed, G. Edward Griffin, he has really been an inspiration to me. The things that he has discovered over the years, how he's really come to believe in human nature and what it's driven by, I believe, aligns with some of the things that I'm saying and much of which I've learned from him. You know, I look at just the experience that he's had writing the treatise, the uh, creature from Jekyll Island. We didn't touch much on central bank and how that also impacts everything that we're talking about about the market not being able to find a solution, people not being able to find a solution, and you paper over it with money created out of nothing. I won't go down that path right now. But I believe that if you guys Google George Griffin, you really learn about his principles, learn about his philosophy. It's in line with laissez-faire, free market capitalism. And, and I do believe that is one of the reasons why he wrote his book and also why he continues at his mid-80s age to continue to push forward the principles that he believes in by the documentaries that he's a part of, but also does, the events that he puts on, the newsletter that he does is because he's driven to really allow others to understand what these free market, I would say libertarian in a sense, uh, principles uh, really are and how they apply to the individual. Then David Stockman, that was also an awesome interview, right? And he's obviously been a contrarian for so many years and uh, has pushed against intervention by government when it comes to markets and comes to the signals that really gets a person to figure out a problem are manipulated and it puts a person, you know, make it confuses them and they're not able to, as I said in the beginning, exercise their strengths and their abilities and their experience to figure out a solution. They're, you have all sorts of intervention that misprices, and then also creates false signals. So that was a fascinating interview, Andy Tanner. You know, we talked a lot about Greg Lukianoff's book, The Coddling of the American Mind, and it's always a pleasure to talk with Andy. I think we you know, mentioned it on the podcast, but we spoke for more than six hours that day because you know, these are things that we love to talk about. They're things we believe they're principles that we know will make a difference if they're understood by more people. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of that. i mean, I know that the whole free speech thing has been in the headlines quite a bit. I look at just the ability for people not to speak their mind and not talk about their opinion and, and have fear associated with doing that is a slippery slope, especially when you have an environment of youth. They're in this transitionary stage of life where They've grown up with the philosophy of their hometown and their parents typically. And then they go to a school system where it has multiple people and multiple experiences. Basically, there's this kind of ideology in a sense that people have to think a certain way. And if they don't, then there's fear associated with saying things different or expressing yourself in a different way. It's polarizing. And I think that, like I said, is a slippery slope because you don't allow for the experience of multiple perspectives. Because those multiple perspectives help to really reinforce certain beliefs and principles or maybe call into question those beliefs and principles that may not be principled. It was pretty fascinating talking to Andy about that. And then, of course, David Morgan and his, I would say, very in alignment with David Stockman right, in relation to how commodities work and paying attention to that as far as investment is concerned. And David Collum, that was such an enjoyable interview. David... Obviously, you can see sense his passion for understanding markets and understanding where we're at in cycles and talking about it, even though his uh, specialty is chemistry at uh, Cornell. So that was a fascinating interview. And I really enjoyed reading through his year in review from last year because a lot of what he said and mentioned, I've thought about and it actually made me think a little bit differently and it gave me more detail really about what's going on, whether it's the pension crisis, whether it's uh, central banks, whether it's market returns. There's so much information packed into that. And then finally, the last two interviews, Connor Boyack and Josh Lannan, been a friend for so long. I believe that he practices what he preaches, that book that he wrote, The Social Capitalist. He's trying essentially to take the principles that I've been mentioning here and mentioning throughout the entire season and solve the social problems that exist, whether it's here in Utah, we're battling a major epidemic with opioid addiction and use by mostly young adults and youth, as well as uh, suicide. Youth and teen suicide is incredibly high. There's obviously when you start to have these type of problems, nobody wants those problems. People want solutions, but when you go down the road of having governments institute this and governments institute that, it's gonna come up with the same result, right? Even though the intentions may be so genuine, there's people out there that have ideas in their mind, strengths in their mind, talents that are waiting to be expressed. There are solutions to a lot of these challenges and a lot of these issues. And uh, I think that's what Josh and I's conversation, really the mission that he's on or just the mission of conscious capitalism or social capitalism is on, right? Is to really identify these epidemics, these issues, these challenges that exist and will exist, you know, essentially allow for people to rise to the challenge and provide solutions as opposed to just leaning on government to do it for us. Okay, so let's transition. So this is really, as I mentioned before, if you guys want to email me and give me your feedback, uh, patrick at patrick it'd be huge for me to hear what your thoughts are, where you disagree with me, where you agree, maybe some epiphanies that you had and what aspect of the conversation was most intriguing to you. That would be huge for me. And so patrick at patrickdonahoe.com. All right. So the transition. So this is when I wrote my book, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream. This is why I did the season last year, you know, in 2018, focusing on life, liberty, and four months with property, and because I believe that those three variables creates the dynamic for a person to truly experience the American dream. And I define the American dream differently than most define it—not owning a home or getting a job with benefits and putting money in your 401k and retiring. that To me, that's totally not the American dream. But the American dream is really to come to an environment where there's freedom in order to discover what is best about you and how you can essentially bring that to the world and bring that to others and receive the remuneration, receive the compensation for that. I believe that truly is one of the purposes of our lives. In the book, I went down that path, right, of putting, calling into question, right, our school system and where it originated, right, which is from a, a Prussian framework, which was to train military and, in, and factory workers. And we still follow it to this day. And I believe that's not necessarily the path for most. I've mentioned Robert Kiyosaki's book, Why, what is it? Why A students work for C students and why B students work for the government. Something like that. It's pretty funny. It's totally true, right? Because a student mentality is following orders correctly. But innovation and creativity, right, is not following orders. It's actually doing quite the opposite. And I think that's why C students are below are the ones that really create such amazing things. Anyway, I won't go down that path, but I don't believe our school system functions that way. I don't believe our workforce and workplace is set up to function that way. It's set up to have people take orders. And I don't believe that's a way in which innovation occurs. I think it's frustrated when you have that system in place. Here's my point. I ventured off and had a researcher look into all of the jobs that she could find that pay more than $50,000 a year that you can do either as a contractor, a freelancer, or do it from home. Some W-2 jobs. And I was flabbergasted as to how many jobs are out there. And then I took the next step and started to investigate the gig economy. Basically, the statistics, and obviously statistics are, you know, take them in stride. Some have an agenda behind them. Some are are accurate. Some don't have the sample size that you need, right? But it's still pretty interesting to see some of the studies that are being done where companies are essentially transitioning to a lot of their workforce being freelance or being 1099 contract workers or work from home. There are big, big companies out there that have their entire workforce offsite, remote. It's fascinating. And I looked at that statistic, but I also realized that part of this American dream, part of a fulfilling life, a life of achievement Right is not to stop working, which is the definition of retirement, but it is to continue to provide value. Now, that doesn't mean that you work for the rest of your life. But what it does mean is that you take what's strong, your strengths, your experience, the successful experience, the things that make you feel alive and do that forever. Maybe 10 hours a week, it may be six months out of the year. It might be 20 hours a week, it might be longer. But essentially, continuing to exercise those talents and those abilities that you have and will have as you continue to discover them, because it's an evolution, right? It is necessary for a fulfilling lifestyle. With this research that I had a researcher dive into, and she's actually helping me to write white paper about it, the future of work and how you can essentially live a fulfilling lifestyle okay, without having to retire and much sooner than retirement age. And it's very difficult to chew on this. That's where I'm going for this season, is to really discover individual application of capitalism. And it can be defined by entrepreneurship or entrepreneurialism. It can be defined as discovering a side hustle, whatever. Essentially, it's the future of work. And it's really discovering ways in which you can understand you know, what is the definition of your ideal lifestyle. Okay. Where do you want to live? What do you want to do? And then it's figuring out how to do it, how to discover what your strengths are, how to maximize those. As I mentioned just a moment ago, it's the success and happiness in the workplace is when somebody is spends 80% or more of their time working in something that is their strength, their experience. And it's coupled with goals and initiatives as well as the right incentives. There's not always have to be monetary incentives. Okay? That right there is the equation for success in the workplace. Uh, and obviously, there's other variables, right? Okay, but those are the primary. And that's where we're going to transition. In the book, I talked uh, a lot about human life value statement and creating that. And the human life value statement, which is assets are strengths and talents and abilities. Liabilities are your weaknesses, the stuff that you don't like doing. And then you have income, which is a result of your assets, okay? And how much of your income is coming from those strengths and those abilities? And how much income is coming from liabilities? And what you want to do is you start to actually increase your expenses when it comes to your weaknesses and the stuff you don't like to do so that you can maximize the time associated with not only spending it, doing your strengths and abilities, but also increasing those, maximizing those, refining those, discovering more about them. All right. So that's what we're going to focus on. And so it could be there's some guests that I'm thinking about the founders of Upwork.com, freelancer.com. There are some individuals I've interviewed in the past that talked about this, you know, taking your company and making it remote. Are you working remote? There's a couple other guests that talked about. The Boomer Revolution, uh, John Tarnoff. We may have him on as well. This is the angle: it's to basically take these very philosophical principles of capitalism, laissez-faire, free market capitalism, and applying those to the individual. That's what I'm going to do this go around for uh, the next four months of the year. So that's between May and the end of August. So let me know what you guys think. All right. Well, I am going to head home. And I'm recording this Utah Jazz play tonight. Go Jazz. They're the home team and we love them. And hopefully they, sorry for you. They're playing the Houston Rockets. So I'm obviously recording this a couple of weeks before it goes out, but going home to eat some dinner and hang out with my family and watch the Utah Jazz. Hopefully win. Thank you so much for listening. I do this podcast because I love talking about this stuff. It's what lights me up. That's why I'm staying you know super late this evening doing it because I've seen people benefit whether it's the inspiration they receive from it, whether it's taking the practical advice seen from what they've learned here. But I've also experienced so many people that have been able to make a transition to a life that they never dreamed of by understanding some of these principles. And I believe that's possible for you. I'm excited to, to talk about some of the things that I believe will make a difference in your life. Thank you for the support. Thank you for those of you who are clients of Paradigm. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. And and I can't wait to hear, you know, I haven't asked much of the audience in the past, you know, and I haven't go download this or go, you know, seek this out. There's no commercials either, right? And maybe I, I don't get any response. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm excited to hear from you guys. I'm excited to hear what's going on in your life. I'm excited to hear what you like about the podcast, what you like about some of the guests and things that you're learning. I'm also excited to hear what you don't like. Obviously, I don't want to be providing things that that piss you off and worsen the experience of your life. That's not obviously not the intention by any stretch. I'm really excited to hear from you guys and hear about your lives and hear about what's going well, where you're coming from, what your goals are, what you're trying to achieve. So yeah, so Patrick at PatrickDonahoe.com. It's my personal podcast email, so I'm going to respond to it. It may take me a little bit of time to do it, but I'm going to respond to to all of them. So again, thank you guys so much for the support. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And like I said, next week, one of the best guests to round out the season. And this guy is young, but he really understands these principles at a deeper level than I do. And I'm excited for him to express some of the things that he feels about the principles of capitalism and how they have to do with our society as a whole. All right, so that's it. Patrick Donahoe signing off. I'll be with you next week. Okay, until then, bye. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. My book, the Amazon bestseller, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, A Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream, is completely changing the way people look at saving, wealth, and retirement. Want a sneak peek? Head on over to www.headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast for a free audio and text download of my favorite chapter. Again, that's heads or tails. I win.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to the wealth standard podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, the dot for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service guest opinions are their own if you require specific investing financial legal tax or any other specialized advice please consult an appropriate professional we welcome and appreciate reviews of the show head on over to itunes or stitcher to leave your review And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.